0: Welcome to everyone tuning in. Thank you very much for joining us today. My name is Glenn Goland. I am an investment advisor and senior wealth strategist at Arnrich Messina. We are a Portland-based investment advisory firm, bringing our unique and disciplined process to wealthy families, nonprofit endowments, and foundations. Many of our clients have assets that require a level of professional management. Others have legal structures in which a professional trustee protects heirs from themselves and from creditors and creditors. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Greg Bowman. Greg is CEO of Northwest Trustee and Management Services. He is a CPA by trade, an all-around fantastic human being. And in his role as CEO at Northwest Trustee and Management Services, he oversees the financial, human resources, and operational functions of the group. Some of the clients that I serve have hired Greg to manage their trust over the years, and I have the good fortune of connecting with him in this capacity each quarter. We are really happy to have the opportunity to ask him about professional trustees and how they operate today, and to get a better sense of what families should understand about how and when to work with these professional trustees. So Greg, thank you so very much for being here today.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Glenn. Um, I'm delighted to be here. I love your company and um, the, the attention to detail on getting all of the estate planning items covered off where necessary. Um, so I'm delighted to share some of my thoughts today as well.
0: Well, thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it. Um, one of the most common discussion points, speaking of estate planning, uh, that I used to have with clients when I was practicing law was about selecting the people that would take over the management of things when someone was disabled or when they passed away. And so. Some of those roles like executives and personal rec- representatives are folks that have limited roles right they're usually wrapped up inside of some certain time period a year or so within the person's passing. The trustees role is different though right because these are often roles that are served in for far longer, can you give us a sense of what the trustee actually does and then on what areas your team focuses.
1: Yes, um, that'd be great. Yeah, so let me just set the scene first of all. A professional trustee, it's probably easy to define what we are not. Uh, We are not investment advisors. You are the expert investment advisors or others for the family. We are also not attorneys, although we have attorneys on staff. Um, Every client would have their own estate planning attorneys guiding them through the actual legal documents that would name a trustee. Um, And while we have accountants on staff, we are not the accounted for the family also. So within that context, our role is limited to serving somebody in their time of need. Um, And I generally define four buckets here of what those could be, just to help set the scene for the conversation today. Um, Most importantly, there is the management needs of families. And those buckets include uh, what happens before somebody dies, what happens upon someone's death and what happens if a legacy needs to live on after their lifetime. So the first bucket would be um, before somebody passes away. They, through their attorneys, will be creating either a financial power of attorney or sometimes a revocable living trust. And that management need, who takes care of somebody in their time of need when they can no longer manage their personal and financial affairs, who is going to step into their shoes and manage those sometimes simple but oftentimes very complex personal and financial affairs if they maybe are incapacitated or there's another event. And so that is the first kind of management reason why you would would consider having a professional trustee serve. Um, Things like selling homes, selling vehicles, hiring and firing caregivers, helping um, this individual having the highest quality of life and working with family members um, on doing that well. Um, very much a hands-on management need role. Uh, the second one, as you mentioned, a personal representative or what used to be called an executor. That's just a very short-term engagement basically to marshal assets and distribute them to their heirs, charities, family, friends, those type of people. Again, in a legal capacity, through a will, um, we play that role um, as needed, but oftentimes family members do that role as well. And that is a very short-term engagement, marshalling assets, giving them to the people who um, are the heirs of the estate. Um, But the most common way we serve families is in this third management bucket. What if after your lifetime, You aren't able to give all of your assets outright to a family, friend, charity. Uh, What if for some reason, such as mental illness, addiction, spendthrift behaviors, maybe contentious family situations, um, you want to protect and preserve your legacy um, for one of your family members for their entire lives or for, for a certain period of their life until they reach certain age attainments or other Um, the triggering events. So that is most often when a professional trustee comes in, when there is an acute need to help an individual who maybe isn't best um, managing the financial affairs themselves. And that would be uh, a trust that is created after somebody's lifetime. That is, you know, in the, in the world of trusts, um, that is 80, 90% of trusts in the, in America today in volume, um, where there is those acute management needs. Um, There is a whole nother structure and bucket out there. I just simply call them the money bucket. And that's when somebody has primarily tax driven strategies, um, normally through taxable estates um, that require the formation of um, normally irrevocable trusts. And so the idea there is uh, wanting to reduce the overall tax burden of the family, either the, the generation one, generation two, three, four, sometimes these tax-driven strategies lasts uh, for hundreds of years. And so while there is complex and detailed ways those are done, um, that is just generically the fourth bucket of when a professional trustee is needed or when a trust is needed during somebody's lifetime, um, which we happy to get into more in a minute, Glenn, but um, maybe I'll leave it there for now. How does that sound, Glenn? Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's great. You know, I've seen that fourth bucket quite a bit when we have uh, entrepreneurs or other folks that are selling or contemplating contemplating the selling of a business. We see those fourth those fourth buckets come in when someone says, well, if I make a gift here and I have a trust that lives in the following state, then there are income tax benefits that flow through and that sort of thing. So I'm familiar with that. And I think most of what our clients deal with is what you're talking about in that third bucket, right? Which is that Longer term engagement, and we see those most of the time you know, with, with clients that have younger kids, they sort of set them up because it's the default document um, you know, to say, okay, if my wife and I are gone before you know, the kids are 25, we want someone to look after them. And then we see that all the different shapes that those come into play as folks have, you know they sort of come to know their kids as they grow up and they get to know what their kids' habits are and what their assets look like and they can sort of better shape how they wanna leave their legacy. So thank you um, for that explanation. As you, uh, as you look at the, the clients with whom you work, are there certain fact patterns that make it more likely someone is gonna work with you guys and gals? Is it like they have a certain dollar amount or they have certain um, you know blended families or they have, um, you know, what are mm-hmm. the common denominators as you look at your client book?
1: Yeah, great. Um- I think there's three, and um, uh, uh, let me share those here in a minute. Let me just preface this with maybe just the industry. You know, if you go back hundreds of years when this was all being formed, but even as recent as 20 years ago, you really had one choice, which was to name normally a big, large national corporate bank as a trustee. But the, the and your only other alternative was to name a family member, and so you kind of had these two very different experiences. Um, there's been some great developments, um, and I think it's worth noting here as to when do you actually want a professional trustee. First of all, uh, our independent trust model is that this is all we do. We are pure experts, whether it's us or another professional trustee. You can find large outfits with you know dedicated resources to just serving people in their time of need and not doing all the other add-on services. They partner as a team with the family, um, but yet they still have some of the safeguards and uh, that you would expect of a regulated financial institution similar to Northwest trustee. So that's one development that maybe allows people to be more comfortable naming a professional trustee. Generally, we can be more malleable or customized to the solutions. But the other one is a structural law that's changed which is that you don't it's not an all or nothing decision on when you need a trustee actually nowadays it's very common to have a um, two trustees in one legal arrangement and just simply put that means hey you can have an expert like a professional trustee do the administration do all of the accounting and tax returns they can also do all of the management things like decisions for family members that have additional needs, but maybe you don't want that trustee involved in investment management, or maybe there's a private business, you mentioned that earlier, and you don't want the trustee involved in that. So you can actually name a family member or a friend or a professional uh, business person to be in charge of one aspect of a trust. Maybe it's, like I said, around investments and then have a a professional trustee do everything else. And so this kind of what we call a bifurcation of duties just means that it's a really collaborative process of when you want to be naming a trustee that you can get experts to help. And oftentimes that's a family member. Hey, we hear it all the time. No one knows my family like my family. So that's why I want to have a family involved. And we say, great, let's build off of that. But then let's protect the family, which I guess leads me into my first area, the first bucket or, or area that we really encourage and see a lot when professionals are named is when, there's, when the family is, needs, to remain, needs to keep some level of family harmony. I always say that I, my concern and goal is to allow the family members, the kids normally, let's say, um, to be around the Thanksgiving dinner table together. I don't want them to be fighting over assets or estates or I don't want them to be um, one of them um, accusing the other of doing something that they didn't even do. So if you want an objective party just to remain um, uh, in communication with and to administer these trusts, most of of the time it's to protect the family and to ensure that there is good family relationships into the next generation's. And that's especially, that's especially true when you've got the second, what you said, you know, where there's an additional need there. And so I I look at it as like, um, in, in fact, even in my own life with some addiction issues in my wider family, I don't want to be in charge of a sibling of mine telling them how they can spend their money. I think it would cause a huge family fight. And so, um, encouraging families when there is those acute needs, um, uh, having you know having a professional protect the family's kind of harmony and, and unit um, in place. That's by far and away the most frequent reason we're getting called in to serve. Um, the second one is playing off of that, I would say is we just call them red flags um, you know when there's a management reason. so you're setting up a trust and generally if it's to protect somebody from themselves or to help somebody who needs additional help, generally, Uh, they can, it can be pretty contentious and or hands on and need a long term relationship. And that's best in our experience done with a professional that knows both wanting to act and be objective, but then knows the letter of the law and the legal documents to be able to say yes and no, when sometimes a non-professional will just acquiesce based on how much somebody asks, or what the unique situation is so some of those I mentioned I mentioned but just real quick you know if there's mental illnesses that's very common for us um, either acute mental illnesses for life or as people develop aging diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia we get involved Um, if there's addiction issues minor children you mentioned that Glenn uh, we're very involved in sending kids who have had parents with unexpected deaths to college and psychiatrists, psychologists, partnering with a, normally a family member who's a guardian and getting them set up with life, make, buying businesses for them or buying their first home and helping those minor children, but protecting those valuable assets from maybe other family members um, if it wasn't in a trust. Um, and then uh, second marriages, third marriages, that's very common in our society to have multiple marriages and generally we're very involved there where if there are kids by a prior marriage um, in the estate plan, especially after the first person passes on, just having an independent person there as an advocate for everybody. Most importantly, the surviving spouse needs to be cared for, for their life. However, that's the current need, but equally important is the future need that the kids by the, prior marriage want to inherit some of those assets and so having a professional thread that needle is often very useful because that is can get contentious um easily um and, and it's not always that by the way that people are not doing the right thing it's simply that you have an objective party that everyone can agree on as objective and um just helps that uh, work better um And then last one here, I would say, is a bucket of when professional trustees are brought in. Um, I would just simply say in taxable estates. You know, if it's an individual and they have $10 million, $11 million now, if it's a couple in the $20 to $25 million range, uh, I would suggest you should always be having a professional trustee in those instances. And the reason is simply there's a lot of complex issues going on. It's a modest fee. To protect that integrity of whatever that tax driven strategy was whether that's complex gifting and family limited partnerships and intergenerational trusts or whatever the case may be when you've got an extra zero on the end of it relative to most people um having a a professional trustee navigate that alongside the family is you know is when often we're brought in
0: yeah that makes a ton of sense and i've seen that in some of the the stuff that you and i have worked on so um thank you for for walking through those one of the things that you mentioned um is that you actually charge for your services so can you give me a sense of uh, how a professional trustee charges and then as a follow-up sort of when you actually start billing for your work
1: yeah great you know I'll start with the easy one is when we don't charge um uh so when we have they going back to you know, those three buckets of the management needs, pre-death, death, death, and post-death, you're always working with estate planning attorneys. And so we're often called in to review those documents to make sure we're comfortable serving at a future point in time. And, you know, we get put in thousands of documents. And um, however, we don't have an active role today. We're what I just call the safety net, right? We're there when something goes wrong. And so to be named in documents, to call, talk to people, share stories, hear about their, their family, unique situations, uh, review those documents, there are no fees for any of that. Um, uh, at some point, however, those um, th- those plans come into being, or a family member is named and they're, you know, maybe considering resigning in favour of us. And so those, when, when we are actually stepping in and having a, a management responsibility, that's when we start charging our fees. Um, and just an overview of the industry, generally you've got two types of fees being charged. You might have a, a local or a family member not charging fees and then relying on others who charge hourly, like attorneys and CPAs and things like that. Um, or on the other end, the national large banks, if they're serving, they generally charge a high asset management fee and oftentimes high minimums as well, and you know we pioneered this independent only model over 30 years ago in the northwest, and and we chose a hybrid fee schedule um, to to really um, be fair and reasonable whenever we're called into act. So what that looks like practically is a much lower base fee uh, percentage of the assets. However. Um, to, um, that is significantly lower than maybe a, a corporate trustee with just that fee. And then in addition to that, we charge an hourly component when we're doing these discretionary decisions. Um, and, and we can, in the unique situations, explain what those hourly rates are, but they're very modest, significantly below attorney's rates with the theory that we come in to serve people in their time of need. And so if there's a lot of needs That hourly component will remunerate us for that. And if it's hiring and firing caregivers and moving people into facilities or helping with rehab um, for individuals and things like that, there is in that season of the trust's life, there's a little bit more time and energy. And then, if things are normalised and stabilised, it's that base maintenance fee. So that's our our model, Glenn. Um, there's probably lots of, of other ones out there too, but we felt that that's fair and, and reasonable for for our
0: clients. Well, I've seen your bills, and I can attest to that. Um, you know, I think for our listeners, it's worth noting that a lot of the big banks that are out there, you can just go online and you can look up their fee schedules. If you go to a Fidelity or a Schwab or whomever, so. Um, I certainly appreciate you going into detail in yours, and I know that if folks reach out to you with questions, you'll be happy to walk them through it because I have experienced that firsthand. So, um, thank you for that. Final question that I have for you today, my friend, and that is as follows: um, I know that you have seen all sorts of different situations and dynamics um, through your career. What are mistakes or things that folks ought to avoid, um, or other tips that you have as people are coming in and considering hiring? any last words of advice you can give our listeners
1: hey great thank you okay yeah I think I will I would like to touch on the different seasons of the estate planning the first one is in the plan itself you know and this is just one I've got others but I'll narrow it down to one is we often see uh, you know successful individuals let's Simplifies down and so say they have two adult children, one with some additional needs, maybe there's special needs, or maybe there's other issues going on, and one other, let's say, highly successful, you know, well-adjusted child with a good, high-paying job. And families have a really hard time with the concept of the difference between um, being equal and being fair. And we always focus on fairness. We say, hey what is fair for your unique children or the unique situation you have? And it doesn't always result in an equal, hey, 50% goes to one child, 50% to the other. Maybe it's actually 80% to one child, but it's in a trust. And then after their lifetime, it goes back to the other child. And that is totally fair because this child might have additional limitations or needs in their life. And so while that's sometimes hard for people to... um, Uh, to really enact just because of I think a cultural thing we live in in the West of needing things to be equal Um, we've seen that work extremely well when people are um, willing to engage in that and then oftentimes talk to the children about that and I guess that leads to my second one actually is okay you've created your plan what are you going to do it is awkward no one likes talking about death dying and taxes and and estates Um, but in our experience, the more willing you are to have those conversations, especially when there isn't equal things happening. And maybe equal, by the way, could just simply be one, pers- one child gets their funds, their 50% outright, and the other one gets it in a trust for their lifetime. That is not an easy thing to sometimes receive if you're an adult child. So, but just having those conversations and leaning on your professionals, leaning on you, Glenn, and your colleagues, um invest uh, the attorneys and and just asking hey should i discuss this with my kids how would i do that i don't want to do that you know and, and maybe you get to the place where you feel comfortable not having those but at least engaging in that thought process of hey we're about to leave a lot of money to our children or oh, we're about to leave some of it to charity and we want to tell our kids that and that's great just having that dialogue so you've created the plan then and then talking about the plan before you're gone because once you're gone no one's ever going to know why you did what you did unless you've, you've had those conversations. Um, and then I guess the last little nugget here would be, yeah, um, you know, in our experience, we actually get more new accounts and inquiries when there's a family member serving as a trustee. And oftentimes they're just um, tired and burnt out or sometimes there is that family fight that they've they've you know started or or that is about to start um so just being conscious of when your children should and can serve as a fiduciary as a trustee and when maybe it's best to to not have that burden on the child um those are you know often because simply hey my child has got their own and they're an executive at a large company and they're super busy and I don't know how they'd ever have the time to do this. and But, you know, we'll just put them in there anyway. That's the easy easy way because we know our children and they're just going to have to deal with it rather than maybe think, okay, well, let's maybe protect that family harmony a little bit and and consider having a, a professional trustee. And obviously, I know, Glenn, that sounds, sounds a little selfish, but we do, like I said, most of our new business comes when family members come to us and say, I just... I just can't do it or it's causing problems. So yeah, those will be a couple of little nuggets from, from my career anyway.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. I remember the first attorney um, that I used to study under used to always say fair is not equal and equal is not always fair. And so I appreciate that that has resonated uh, the years and that you're using the same mantra. Because it's true, you know, when you're dealing with adult children, every situation is totally different. So the idea that a cookie cutter that says, a percentage by percentage distribution is appropriate it's just that just doesn't work for most families so thank you um yeah so much for that yeah so yeah uh, and, go ahead
1: oh i was just gonna say you know there's a there's a huge amount of i don't know if it's guilt or shame or just um a process that people need to go through to get over that and so yeah to the extent you obviously have done that many times in your career it's just to let people know as well it's a normal feeling to have that, Hey, you know, I don't necessarily want to have to only have one child receive their inheritance in a trust, but I really need to. And, and that doesn't, you know, just working through those emotions um, and taking that extra time, um, you know, is, is super useful.
0: Yeah. I agree. You know, I, The other lesson that I remember from that same attorney was that your will or your trust is the last time you ever speak to your children. And so mm-hmm. To think about ahead of time trying to reduce the number of surprises, because this is the last thing they will ever hear from you. And so I uh, 100% uh, echo your comments on communicating. So Greg, thank you a million times over for the time today and for sharing a bit of your wisdom with us. You can find Greg over at nwtrustee.com. You can always visit our website at arnerichmessina.com where you will find details about our team and a blog where we post relevant articles about financial planning topics. Thank you, Greg, again for being here today and thank you for our audience uh, for joining us.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, really appreciate it, Glenn. Um, Keep up the good work and we're always available to, to chat to anyone who has questions.
0: Thank you for listening to Arnrich Messina's podcast. Please see the podcast description for important copyright and disclaimer information.